Hello and welcome to the Effective Living Podcast, a podcast for ideas, strategies, insights, and conversations, all focused on how to live a more effective and more prosperous life. Once again, I'm your host, Nathaniel Nunziante, and today's podcast is all about the key to effective time management. So here is something that I think we all, to some degree, understand, that feeling that you don't have enough time. You know, you're working so hard, you're trying to balance everything, and and no matter what you do, uh, there never seems to be enough time in the day to do everything that you've set out to do. And you might try, you know, to-do lists or calendars or waking up earlier, going to bed later, multitasking, but after a while, you find that you always end up back in this same experience, this feeling of not having enough time. And I, I think that there's one thing we have to make sure we agree on before we go any further, and that is this. Time is the most valuable resource in existence. And that's not an overstatement. That is not an exaggeration. That is not hyperbole. Time is the most valuable resource in existence. And I say that for two reasons. One, it's not renewable. It's one of the only things in the universe that's not renewable. You know, even though that there are things you can lose, you can always regain some portion of what you lost uh, as long as you have time to do it. Right? Everything is not truly gone in its fullness forever. There's always some aspect of it you can get back as long as you have enough time. But time doesn't work like that. When a minute is spent, it's spent. You never get that minute back ever. So time is extraordinarily valuable because it's the most non-renewable thing that exists. And the second reason that it's so valuable is we don't even know how much of it we have. That increases its value exponentially because however long you have left to live on this planet, that's a set amount of time and you have no idea how much it is. And even if you knew how much it was, you couldn't add a minute to it because it's not renewable. So because you don't know how much you have left, whatever you're assuming you have, right, that, that rough number, oh, I got 30 years left, 50 years left, whatever it is, let's say it's half that. That means that you're treating your time as half as valuable as it actually is because you only have half as much as you think you do. So I think it's important that we all get on the same page and we agree. Time is the most valuable thing that we all have. And it's, it's shared. That's common to all of us. No matter what we have going on in our life, the thing that we should be cherishing most, because the thing that is the most valuable is time. So now here's the important question to ask. Do I treat time like it's that valuable? Do you? Do we? I think most of us, at least initially before we you know, grow up, treat time the way we treat pennies, right? We treat pennies like they're worthless. You, f- you find a penny, most people, you know, so I, know, I know people who throw away pennies. And most people, if they had a few pennies, it's meaningless to them. They drop them in the tip jar not because they want to be generous. They drop them in the tip jar because the burden of having to handle pennies in their pockets is, is a, a bigger burden than having the pennies. So they'd rather give away the pennies. The pennies are almost worthless. And it's funny that we treat pennies that way because it's almost like we treat pennies like all of our money isn't made up of pennies. You see what I'm saying? Here's a way to think about time that really helped me to see its value, okay? Imagine for me that you have a bank account and it has somewhere between $1 million and $33 million. Okay, go with me on this. So you have a bank account 
and there's something in between $1 million and $33 million, but you don't know exactly how much. You have no idea what it is. It could be a million and one dollar. It could be $32 million, but somewhere on that chart, that's how much money is in the account. Now, imagine that there's a rule where it's your account to draw from your whole life, but you can never increase the amount. Not one dollar. Once it's spent, it's gone forever. Okay? So you have this starting amount of money between one and 33 million. You don't know how much it is, but every time you spend a dollar, that dollar's gone. You'll never be able to put another dollar into the account. Now, in this scenario, I ask this question Would you be careful about how you spend the money? Or would you just swipe your debit card and blow any amount on thoughtless nonsense whenever you feel like it? <laughs> Think about it. Would you mindlessly trade hundreds, thousands of dollars for momentary pleasure, or would you invest more thoughtfully and carefully into things that matter and that will last and that won't just be two seconds? If you divide your life into 15-minute blocks, okay, so if you take your entire life, whatever it is, God willing, it's 80, 90, 100 years, if you divide the whole thing into 15-minute blocks, the average lifespan has 33 million 15-minute blocks. Okay. Now, of course, some lives only have a million of those 15-minute blocks or even less. So I think that you might be starting to see my point. The life you have is somewhere between 1 million and 33 million 15-minute blocks. That's, that's likely the amount of time you have. But the same way you'd be careful with the money, why aren't you careful with the time? Let's take it even further. Imagine all of that cash, right? All that somewhere between one and 33 million. And again, you don't know the total. It's stockpiled in your home somewhere. Would you just allow anyone to come in to your house whenever they want and take a few dollars whenever they please? Or would you be protective of it? Especially because once you run out, you run out. Would you leave the cash stacked loosely near an open window so that a windy day could come by and just blow some of the dollars out into oblivion? No, of course not. You would protect the money. You'd keep it safe. You would actually make sure that you're the one always in control of who you give any money to, how much you give to them. You'd be in control of how you spend it and how much you spend and how quickly you spend it. Well, I mean, I think you see my point. Every day of your life is made up of minutes, seconds, passing time. The same way that all money is made up of dollars and of pennies. And you can either be in control of how those minutes are spent, like, like the analogy with the dollars, or you can let any person or any distraction or any random wind that blows steal it away from you. And remember, once it's spent, it can't be unspent. You have a finite amount of minutes, a finite amount of cash in that account. Once it's gone, it's gone. So which do you choose? Do you choose to be in control of how your time is spent or to let other people, other things, spend it for you? Now, I hope you would choose to be in control of how you're spending your time and your life. And if that is what you choose, I have put together some steps to help you do that more effectively and more efficiently. And I know they work because they've helped me transform the way I spend my time. And now I get more done each day than I ever have. And I never feel like I'm running out of time. 
Conversely, I actually always have more time than I need. I always feel like there's extra time that I can move into a new thing or try. I'm, I'm always expanding what I'm working on. I'm reading more and I'm exercising more and I'm experiencing more of the world. I always have time to do it. And I was a person who used to feel like I never had time. So now I'm going to go through some steps that I've taken, and I hope that you find them helpful and valuable, and I hope that maybe you can apply them to your life and take more control over your time. Okay, so let's get right into it. Step one, you have to acknowledge the value of your time. Now, I know we just went over it, and you're, we're pretty much on the same page, I'd like to think, but you have to do more than just that. You have to write it, say it, meditate on it. You have to say to yourself, my time is valuable and I will treat it with the respect it deserves. You have to establish this in a repetitive practice way every day of your life so that you hear yourself declaring it, so that you know that you really believe this and it's not just lip service, it's not just words. There's, by the way, an amazing byproduct of of adopting this attitude. When you start respecting your time, others will also. It's fascinating. But when I started to have more respect for my time and to treat it like it was valuable, other people around me started doing the same thing. They started showing more respect for my time. People were more apologetic when they weren't on time for things. They were, they were late to things that I was at less. They asked permission for access to my time. They thanked me more profusely when I gave them some of my time. And there's a flip side to this. If you don't respect your time, others won't either. How could you expect another person to treat your time as if it's valuable when they watch you treat it like it's worthless? It is so important that you change your mind about what your time is worth and that you proclaim it clearly to yourself on a regular basis, especially if you're changing the norm, right? If you're, if you're living a life where you haven't really treated your time like it's valuable and you want to change that, it's important at the beginning that you proclaim it clearly and you make sure that your, your heart and your soul knows you're serious about this. And you won't have to recite it forever. You know, I'm recommending to say it out loud. I'm big on, on making declarations to yourself and saying things and being serious about them. But you don't have to do that forever. Eventually, it'll become so second nature, you won't have to say it to yourself every morning. But to get started, it's important to say things to yourself so you, you learn to take them more seriously, especially if you haven't leading up to that moment. So acknowledge the value of your time every single day so that you don't forget that you know what it's worth. Okay, that's step one. Now, once that's taken care of, step two, define your roles and prioritize them. Prioritization is essential to take control of your time. And when I say prioritize your roles, I mean you have to identify all the roles you have in your life, okay? And I, I wrote them down for me. I opened my journal and wrote them down. You might be, you know, a, a father, but you're also a husband. You're also a provider. You're also a Christian. You're also a brother. You're also a friend. You might be a mother, but you're also a wife, but you're also a provider, but you're also a Muslim, but you're also this and that and this. So y- y- write down what all your roles are and then do something very important. Arrange them by priority. What is the most important role? What is the hierarchy of the roles. They can't be equal. So this is not an exercise in looking at what you're doing now. This is a decision you're making 
to dictate how you're going to apportion your time, okay? So you're you're deciding the hierarchy. You're being clear about what roles are most important to you. What roles are the priority? Let's say, for example, you're a husband. And I'm going to use this because I'm a husband, so I, I have some connection to it. But let's say you're a husband, but you're also a doctor. Now, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but let's say you're, you're both those things. Should you sacrifice time spent on the quality of your marriage for sake of the time you spend developing your career further? Or is it the other way around? If your role as a husband is the higher priority, you will never sacrifice what you have to do for the sake of that role to help the lower priorities, no matter what they are. And by the way, this doesn't mean that you can't be a good husband and also be a good doctor and develop your career at the same time. Of course, you can do both. But if a day ever came that you really only had 30 minutes available right in front of you, that was really only that 30 minutes, and you could only spend it on one of these two things, and whatever you choose, it'll be at the direct expense of the other. Whichever one of those gets the time, that's your higher priority. And despite what you may tell yourself, the one that gets the time is the one that you are treating as the higher priority. So what I'm saying is make a list of your roles and then be decisive and be deliberate about prioritizing them so you have a clear picture of the hierarchy of the different roles you play. You know, many people that I've spoken to think they have a time management problem. And after a little conversation, I realized they don't actually have a time management problem. They have a prioritization problem. Let me, let me put it to you this way. There are only 24 hours in a day, right? That's it. It's never more or less. And I think we all agree on that. So no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, what our jobs are, what our, what our race is, doesn't matter. There's always 24 hours in a day. Rich man, poor man, young woman, old woman, we have the same amount of time to spend. Now, secondly we really can only do one thing at a time. You might think right now, oh, I'm a multitasker. I do plenty of things. That's not a real thing. That's an illusion. When you're multitasking, what you're actually doing is bouncing back and forth between multiple tasks really fast. Because make no mistake, you can only ever focus on one thing. That's the way our brains are designed. So if you're doing two things at once, you're just splitting your focus. You're, you're focusing on one and then flipping to the other and then back to one, which is, which is not usually the best way to work because you're distracted from both. So you're only half as effective. You're only half as productive as you would be if you were focusing. So if there's always the same number of hours in a day, right, and you really can only do one thing at a time, which I think we established, then the issue is not managing time because no amount of management can change those two constants. The issue really is about prioritization. It's about what order should I be doing things in? What do I do first? How long do I do it before switching? You see what I'm saying? Prioritization is the key, not management. A lot of people that I know that are having issues with time, they're actually really good managers of the things they're trying to do. They're just doing things in the wrong order. And all of these questions, everything I'm talking about, these are all answered by prioritization. That's how time is truly managed. Without clearly defining roles and priorities, without establishing that hierarchy, you can't know whether or not you're spending too much time on lower priority tasks at the expense of higher ones. So again, step two, define your roles, prioritize them, and be honest with yourself when you're doing it. And that takes us to step three, the final step, make commitments. You know, I used to 
say I had no time for commitments. I would say it all the time. Uh, that was actually my reason not to make commitments. I don't have any time to make it. I just have no time. <laughs> the truth is, the reason I had no time is because I didn't make enough commitments. <laughs> I know that sounds like a contradiction, but I'll, let me explain. When you make a commitment, it creates a boundary, right? It creates a boundary that can't be crossed because the commitment has a start and an end. Boundaries are essential for effectiveness with time. They're, they're healthy because they keep you from going too far in any direction. There's actually a law called Parkinson's Law. I don't know if you've heard it before, but it says that work expands to the time allotted. This is the principle that if you set aside two hours to you know, write Christmas cards, it'll take you two hours because that's how much time you've set aside. And you will work according to the time you've set aside for it. It'll take the whole two hours. But the opposite of Parkinson's Law is also true that work compresses to the time allotted. If you only set one hour to write your Christmas cards, you'll do it in an hour because that's all the time you have. That's where the boundaries are set. Commitments to people and things create these boundaries necessary to control how much time is spent on individual tasks. Now, whenever I bring this up, and I've done this many times with friends, with, with acquaintances, the common objection I always get is you, you just don't understand how hard it is to say no. That's what people tell me. You know, people ask me to do things, and I, I know I shouldn't be doing them because I don't really have the time, but I, I have a problem saying no. I just I have a problem saying no. Friends, family, I don't like saying no to them. I feel bad about it. I'm not good at saying no. Well, you know what I always say to people when they tell me that? The truth is, you're very good at saying no. Because when you say yes to someone else for something they're asking you to do, right, which usually requires some kind of commitment of your time, whatever time that you're committing to that yes, what you're doing is you're saying no to literally everything else you could be doing with that time. You're saying no to the rest of the world. You're saying no to your family, to your friends, to your responsibilities, to your time, to your mental health. You're saying no to all of that for the sake of saying yes to this other person. So you're actually really good at saying no. You're just saying it to the wrong things. And this goes back to what we were saying before about prioritizing, why prioritizing is so important. Also, let me just, when I say commitment it might not be a single event you're committing to. I know that the, the thought of make commitments when I first said it is like make a commitment to be here and do this and be there and do that. But you might be just committing to, to a habit you're working on or some repeating event, right? If you commit to spend 15 minutes a day exercising, then by saying yes to that commitment, you are saying no to anything else that wants to occupy that time. So when you think of commitments, it's usually more about consistency and being true to those commitments than it is about the quantity of them, right? Committing to 15 minutes a day of exercise is much better than committing to eight hours of exercise once per month. But those two commitments represent the exact same amount of time. But the better commitment is the one that's consistent. And the last thing I'll say about commitments is it'll build up your self-respect, Making and keeping commitments will build your self-respect. Not your self-confidence, don't get confused, your self-respect. And I think people might sometimes confuse these two things, so let me be clear. Self-confidence is more about like your ego and how you, how you carry and present yourself, right? You could actually learn to be more self-confident by practicing it. It's something that you, you have, this self-confidence, because of something you can decide to do, and so you have it, and I'm, I'm being confident, and I'm learning to be more confident, right? But self-respect or self-esteem, really the same thing, 
Um, that doesn't work that way. Self-respect must be earned. You can't just practice self-respect. <laughs> you can't just act self-respect out. You know, you have to earn it. And I know you might be thinking, well, how? How do I earn self-respect? It doesn't make any sense. Well, think of it this way. How do you earn respect from somebody else? Right? How do you earn respect from a friend? The answer is you treat them with respect. That's how you earn their respect. Picture this. Pretend you and I are friends, right? Nathaniel and you, whoever's listening, we're friends. And I promise you, I'm going to pick you up from work at 5 p.m. I know you got to get to the airport. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to take you to the airport. And then I don't show up, right? I leave you there, and now you miss your flight. You're, you're upset, but I apologize. I'm, I overslept. I can't believe it. Give me another chance. So you forgive me because we're friends. So then you give me a chance to pick you up for something else. I don't show up for that one either. And this continues, right? Chance after chance, week after week, month after month, month, I don't show up for every commitment, for every promise that I make to you. A few things are going to happen. One, even if you like me and care about me, you're not going to trust me anymore because you don't believe you can count on me. And why? Did you decide not to believe you don't count on me? No, I've taught you that you can't count on me. I don't keep my promises. I don't keep my commitments. You're not going to believe me when I make promises. And honestly, you're not going to have a lot of respect for me. Why? Because I haven't earned your respect. I've done the opposite. I've made you feel disappointed in me, let down by me. Now ask yourself this question. How many times have you made a promise to yourself and not kept it? How many times have you committed to yourself that you will do something or stop doing something? You'll go somewhere or not go somewhere. You'll show up for this. You'll show up for that. And then you just blew it off. Could it be that at least part of the reason you have low self-respect or low self-esteem, could it be because you don't keep the commitments you make to yourself? Or maybe you don't make any commitments, right? And you need to start doing it. You may need to earn your self-respect by showing up for your commitments, by keeping the promises you make to yourself. And that's about taking them more seriously. And it's about maybe stop making promises you don't intend to keep. Stop being so lackadaisical with the way that you say, yeah, I'm going to do that on Monday. Yeah, I'm going to start doing this. I've decided I'm going to do this. Don't say it to yourself out loud. You hear yourself. And the inner you knows, ah, he's not going to do that. She's not going to do that. Why does she keep saying that? Or maybe the inner you gets all jacked up and excited every time and then gets let down again. And what is that doing to you on the inside? So that needs to be fixed. And it's fixed by making and keeping commitments to yourself. And then, like I said, apply this externally as well. By starting to commit your time and energy to the people and things on the external world that are important, right? The, the higher priorities, you will find that you have much more time because those boundaries, which remember always need to be respected, will create the space where you need it. So make commitments and more importantly, keep them for yourself, for your friends, and for your family. This is the reason that I calendar most of my life, by the way. <laughs> I used to do to-do lists, um, but in my opinion, to-do lists are quite horrible because what I would tend to do with a to-do list is I would list everything that I felt I had to do, and then as I started to move through it, I would just bring the easiest items to the top and do them first, right? Because I wanted the, uh, the, the dopamine, the joy, the good feeling of checking the thing off. So all the really important stuff, the harder stuff on the list kept falling to the bottom and never really got done, even though those things were the most important things. They should have been done first. 
And with a to-do list, that's easy to do because there's no time associated with any of the tasks. It's just a list of things. There's no actual commitments on that list because commitments require an allocated time. That's why I use a calendar. A calendar says that on this day, at this time, in this place, I'm going to do this thing. If I don't do it at its time, then I missed the commitment. I can't lie to myself or trick myself into thinking, oh, everything's on track. Everything's just fine. A calendar makes it easy to see how you are committing your time, and then it acts as a wake-up call if you're allotting too much time to lower priority tasks or you're missing important ones. I'm actually going to do an episode of the podcast specifically about some methods of expert calendaring, um, so make sure you're subscribed if you're not already to the podcast for when that's released, and I, I'm actually thinking about doing a video training, a free video training, just going over my process of calendaring because I've had quite a few requests for help in this area, and everyone that I've shown my process of my calendar is always really excited when they see it, so it's definitely on the radar to do as a sidebar. Uh, but getting back to the main point, if you want to be more effective with managing your time, it's so important that you make and you keep commitments. Okay, so let's quickly recap. To be more effective with your time management, here's what you need to do. First, acknowledge and understand the value of your time. Start treating time with the value it deserves. You will take your own time more seriously and so will everyone else. Step two, define the roles that you play in life and prioritize them. Remember, it's more likely you have a time prioritization problem than that you have a time management problem. So get honest with yourself about how you prioritize your life and start getting clarity on whether or not you're spending too much time on low priority tasks. And three, make commitments and keep them for the sake of your sanity, for the sake of your self-respect. Start seeing the things you spend your time on as commitments and watch how much more time you start having available to you. And the last thing I want to say uh, today is make sure you're proactive about developing your priority management and your time management. Develop it. Don't just expect to make one calendar after you listen to this podcast and then blindly follow it and everything is great now. You have to accept that you're going to need to work on it over time to perfect it. So make sure when you're creating your commitments, make a commitment in your schedule to review the way you're making commitments, to review how things are going, to audit your life, to audit yourself, to, to measure what you're doing. And this could be just whether you're, you're just making notes or you're using your memory or maybe you're keeping a journal. Ask yourself, how is it going? How is the calendaring going? How, is the, how are my commitments going? Am I doing better? What's working? What's not? This will allow you to improve your process constantly. You're never going to have the perfect version of that process, especially on day one. So you have to develop it over time. But I promise you, at the moment you start being proactive about this, everything starts to change. And months or years from now, you will look back and say, wow, look how far I've come. I used to be so stressed about time, and now I have all the time in the world. Take control of your time. It's the most valuable resource in existence. And you never have to spend another moment of it mindlessly again if you don't want to. 
I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please subscribe to the Effective Living Podcast for updates when more episodes are released and maybe even share it with a friend or two. In my next episode, we'll be discussing how to be more successful (laughs) with some really helpful insights and perspectives on the attitudes, practices, and behaviors that are consistent among the most successful individuals. Until next time, stay out of harm's way. I'm Nathaniel Nunziante, and this is the Effective Living Podcast. (laughs) 